and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. And so I want you guys to honor Pastor Corey as he comes forward to to release the word. Awesome. You guys grab a seat. My goodness. No, no, don't, no, no, don't, don't play. Because I'll just keep worshiping. I don't do good. <laughs> I don't do good. I'm not, I can't do it very well. Some people can. I'm just so used to it. I just, anyway, that was absolutely amazing. Give the worship team a hand. Thank you. I'm just massively encouraged. It was beautiful. That was so beautiful there at the end. It was loving adoration, loving devotion. And we were locked in on him, the man on the throne. And I'm, I'm just, it's a beautiful spot to get to. And it's rare. And I just love it when we get around it. <clears throat> good, good. Well, there's a lot of, I don't, maybe touch, it's okay, I'll just get right here. Um, yeah, I want to encourage you guys, teach us to pray. Wrote my book, it's a sixth book I've written. And I, I have one passion in this life, and that's to connect people to God. And whether you've been in this thing five minutes or 50 years, there's always more. There's always more. And so the disciples spent three and a half years with Jesus, where in every revival service, they never asked him, teach us to preach. Teach us to heal, teach us to evangelize, teach us to prophesy. He says, we want your prayer life. And the Lord began to indict me a few years ago with a question, and I'm going to go ahead and share with my friends here. Does anybody want your prayer life? Does anybody want your prayer life? Because if the son of God produced that in the ones who saw him the most, I believe the greatest form of leadership, whether it be moms and homes, dads and homes, bosses, pastors, whoever, does anybody want your prayer life? And is anybody asking you about it? So that's why I wrote that. We walk through a whole bunch of things that will wreck you. I've been in this thing for 20 years. And uh, so I'm doing that. The Lord marked me about three years ago. He said, I've been praying it for 20 years. Teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. He says, I want you to join me in teaching the next generation to pray. I want you to take 20 years of doing it wrong, doing it right, then doing it wrong again. How to pray through shame. How to pray through boredom. How to pray through glass heavens that don't seem to break through. And what are the keys of breaking through? And, and the Lord's given me that. I've done that. One of the other things that I'm going after in this season are online courses. And we're doing three one-hour lives a month. Anyway, I mean, there's Corey Russell online. I'm taking my time with this because it's time that we get into a different mode. Life is never going back to normal. And it's not just because your president didn't get in office. I'm not talking about that. Yeah, I know it's bad. No, no. We've moved into a different time. We've crossed a threshold. We're in a different era. And the Lord gave me at the beginning of last year, Jeremiah 12, verse 5. If you've ran with the footmen and they wore you out, how will you do with the horses in the floodplain of the Jordan? Which means if you're worn out on a 2.0 on your treadmill... How do you think you're going to handle an eight? Because an eight is coming. We're talking about the rider on the white horse. 
That's beautiful language. It's terrifying as we begin to, it's glorious and it's terrifying. And I believe that the Lord is wanting to call the church into a deeper place of connection with him and connection with each other. We got to break through in prayer rooms and break through at dinner tables. And we, this is not going to happen on accident. It's not going to happen. That's why I've been just trumpeting it. I believe the days of Sunday only Christianity are over. It's over. Sunday only Christianity to where you live six days, 23 hours and 15 minutes of your week disconnected from Jesus. Lives are going to be built around the presence. We're going to put God back at the center and he'll be the first one we minister to. We'll learn to minister to God before we minister to marriages and families and children and the lost and the homeless. We're going to learn to minister to the last one that ever gets ministered to God. And he's going to restore this. And I believe a thousand other things will come into alignment. And the ones that we lead to Jesus will put them in their priestly place to Jesus. Anyway, so good to meet you guys. <laughs> just kind of, I'm just getting a little older. So I don't care. I turned 44 on Monday. So you know, I'm just getting real old. About to start getting some discounts at Denny's. I'm excited. <laughs> Y'all got Denny's around here? All right. I'm an Arkansas boy. So I'm a South. Awesome. And then we spent, oh, here we go. I spent 18 years in Kansas City. Yes, 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 yes. All right, let's get him a front row. Let's give him a VIP section right here. I'll meet you in the green room in the back after the service tonight. Um, yeah, we love our chiefs, and I know this is your area, but um, I heard it's kind of divided around here, so it blesses me. Anyway, my buddy from Zephyr Hills sent me a uh, little meme the other day with Tom Brady, and he's walking with Patrick Mahomes on his back. And it says, February 7th will be dads taking their kids to work day. I loved it. I loved it. Anyway. I, wanna, I want you to go ahead and throw me to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Lord, we love you. And we bless you. And I, I could feel Gio's. You say Gio? Giovanni. I could feel his hunger through his email and his invitation. I, I'm, you know, I've been, I, Ephesians 1, 15, 16, I could feel the hunger. I could feel the Macedonian call. I could feel the cry of a region. And that's where I'm at in this season. Going, God, where are the regions and the places that you want to plant furnaces, incense furnaces to your name? I was feeling it during worship tonight, Malachi 1.11. And I didn't want to get into this, maybe till tomorrow, but in Malachi's day, Malachi shows up. They return back from Babylonian exile. It's a couple of hundred years, and we have the priesthood is in shambles. And they're going and they're getting leftovers. All right? They're getting blind offerings and lame offerings, and they're bringing whatever's left. And they're bringing that to offer that to God. And Malachi shows up on the scene saying, would you give this to your governor? Would you give this to anybody with respect in your nation? The Lord says, this is what he says in Malachi 1.10. He goes, I would 
that you would just shut the doors to the whole thing. You would just shut it all down so you won't keep kindling a fire on my altar in vain. I believe in some ways, I believe the Lord did about 100 things in 2020. One of the things he did is he was shutting down business as usual in the church. There are so many dead forms, so many dead cycles that we've lived in, and I believe the church is in desperate need for a reset and a reboot. Because Malachi 1.10, he says, shut it down, and then Malachi 1.11 is one of the greatest verses in your Bible, one you need to know, 111, okay? It's all the ones. He says this, for from the rising of the sun to its going down, he says, my name. Everybody say, my name. He says, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. He says, in every place, incense shall be offered to my name. Incense, worship, and prayer will attest to the greatness of his name. He says, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. It's one of the greatest prophecies about what God's doing in the last days is he is awakening a worship and prayer movement and every tribe, tongue, people, and nation to attest to the beauty of our King and the glory of our God. His name is great. His name is great. He's worthy of all praise and honor and glory and blessing. And he's going to deliver the church from the cancer of boredom. He's going to do it in the hardest and the darkest places out in Saudi Arabia and the Middle East and in Africa and different places. But he's going to do it in even harder and darker places like the Bible Belt. Give me Saudi Arabia any day. Give me the Middle East any day. How about the ones who think they know and they've lost the fascination with the beauty of his name. Wonder and awe when they see him and tears effortlessly flow and wonder and they can't but help get near him and get into his house. I love the habitation of your house. I love the place where your glory dwells. And I believe it's an issue over the knowledge of God. I'll give a shortness of my testimony. I got radically saved in Northwest Arkansas in 1997. Strung out drug addict. Gone as far as you can get. Done it all in every way. Went deep into it. My friend lost his mind for about four months. He was just weird. But we took him everywhere we went. It's kind of like weekend at Bernie's for about four months. He stopped talking. My buddy didn't talk for four months. He'd gone a little too far in drugs, but you just got to take him with him. And me and the dope head friends were talking about interventions for him. So, you know, you're in bad shape when dope heads are talking about your intervention. Uh, <laughs> but he had a praying mom, Pentecostal praying mom that laid hands on everybody, anoints everybody with oil, prays in tongues all the time. And so that's the kind of house he had. We're just getting way out there on drugs. He loses his mind. It culminates on February 1st, my birthday, 1997. I had been at the University of Arkansas partying that night, drove down to his house. He comes running out the front door, screaming at me at the top of his lungs, saying, Corey, it's heaven or hell. It's heaven or hell. You have to make a decision right now. 
hadn't talked to him in a couple of days. He's screaming, heaven or hell. I'm backing up. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? He goes, you got to make a decision. Like, what are you talking about? You get saved at 30. I don't get saved at 20. <laughs> I'm back up. I leave. And it was known as mom led him to a three-day deliverance. He got saved. I got angry. I'd put up with a weirdo for four months. You don't get saved. Two weeks later, he showed up at college. I was barely holding on in college, and he takes me to lunch, and he shares with me that for those four months, the spirit realm was opened up, and he was seeing angels and demons. He was seeing what was controlling people and could see that we were being controlled by real demons, real powers that we weren't aware of. We had been shut up in a little house for a few days, and he says, I heard the voice of God, Corey, and the Lord said that Satan is raising up an army, but I'm raising up an army too, and I'm calling you out tonight. And I want you to go call your friends out. So he's over lunch telling me this. By this time, I had my second DWI. And he was saying, Corey, if you don't give your life to Jesus, you will go to hell. I said, dude, shut up and take me back to school. Never want to hear this stuff again. I'm done with you. He drives back to the college, pulls into the parking lot. Right before I get out of the van, someone came in the van. I now know his name is Holy Spirit. And before I knew it, I felt literally I was sitting in the, the passenger seat before I knew it. I was like, what is this? And before I knew it, I'm shaking violently like I'm having a seizure. I saw a tug of war battle between light and darkness over my soul. He pulls in the back of the parking lot, and I guess mom taught him one prayer. He went right after it. In the name of Jesus, I bind the Antichrist spirit. <laughs> That's like prayer 101. Come on. <laughs> you guys are going to get that in my teachers to pray book right there. It worked. I started manifesting a chokehold around my throat and I couldn't breathe. And at that moment, I knew I have to get the name Jesus out of my mouth. But all I could get out was Jesus. And a hold kept getting tighter and tighter. And I'm going, Jesus, Jesus. He's in my ear screaming, say it, say it, say it. I said, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> finally, finally, I remember taking a deep breath with all the power inside of me. I just screamed, Jesus. And right when I screamed his name, the hold broke off of me. And it was like God came and breathed into my mouth at that moment. And all I could say for the first five minutes is, I've got air. I've got air. I've got air. He runs out of the van, jumping around, saying, Jericho's come down. And I'm saying, I've got air. I've got air. And I heard a voice as clear as day is coming to my mind. This voice says, Get out of the van, get on the pavement, and give me your life, your mind. So I'm in a college parking lot, February 18th, 1997, and I jump out, kids running everywhere, and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, Jesus Christ, I give you my life, I'm yours. And I experienced the greatest miracle in that moment. I passed from death to life. I went home that afternoon, sat on my porch swing undone for two hours of how blue the sky was, how green the grass was, and how loud the birds were. I had been dead for 20 years and I was alive. Within a month, I had a drug ring of friends that had encounters like that. I ended up leading my little brother to the Lord who was still in the high school, went crazy for Jesus. Over the next six months, we saw half the high school come to Jesus. We saw five meetings a week till three in the morning. And I fully jumped in to a move of God my first six months, and I began to hang out with my best friend's mom and her friends. I said, girls, teach me how to pray. 
teach me about prayer. And they took me by the hand and I spent my first two years with two 50 year olds and one 80 year old woman. They go, you don't need to wait for your favorite song to come on before you start praying. You don't need them to do that certain chord before you really get in. You got tongues in the Bible. You better use them. Better lay hold of God. Get used to empty rooms so God can trust you with full rooms. You don't learn the lost art of empty rooms. You'll never be trusted with any, any room, really. If God is not enough, but he was wearing a, a hat. Gio was wearing a hat. Jesus is enough. Is he? Is he? Is he enough? So I got addicted to the presence of God. We saw a move of God, and I began to understand I'm an intercessor. I want to be in prayer rooms. I want to be around the presence of God. I want to read the Bible. We were reading Psalm 119 on the way over here tonight. That's what I do every day is read Psalm 119. The 176 verses. I spent those two years. I married my beautiful wife in 1998. We've been married for 22 years. Had our first daughter in 99. And then I couldn't stand it any longer. We moved to Kansas City because I said I need to be in the presence of God at least eight hours a day. I need to be in a place where they're going. And for the last 21 years, I'm gone 24-7, day and night for the last 21 years. We spent 18 years laboring there. And the Lord sovereignly moved us to Dallas, Texas two years ago to join the upper room crew. And I'm building up that room. And now I want to plant praying churches. I want to help labor in planting praying churches across the earth because I don't really believe there's any other church. I'll hit on this probably more tomorrow. But we need to blow a buckshot in the spirit realm tonight. We'll talk about prayer movement and praying churches tomorrow. But I want you to look with me in Ephesians 1. And I want to pull on your hunger. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. The days of just the man of God for the hour and giving you a good meeting are over. I'm coming to declare over Lithia and over Brandon and over this whole region that Jesus Christ is Lord. I declare that Jesus Christ is king. I declare that Jesus has all the preeminence and all the power and all the glory. And I declare that you, Jesus, are lifted to the highest place, that you are far above every principality and power and ruler and dominion, that every name bows the knee and every knee bows to you, Jesus. And I declare your supremacy and I declare your purposes over this region. I thank you, God, that you... You are seated high above on your throne. We bless you, Jesus, and we honor you, and we love you. That's the great need. The Ephesians 1, 15 through 17 prayer is the greatest prayer that you could be praying in these days. This is Paul's prayer for the church. Everybody say the church. When the church gets on fire. The lost get jealous. He goes, he goes, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then he calls him my favorite title of God in Scripture. He calls him the Father of glory. Father of glory would give to you, the church, the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation in the knowledge of him. Who is the him he's talking about? Jesus. He had just spent 14 verses laying out every blessing we have in Jesus. We're accepted in the beloved. We have every blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have an inheritance in Jesus. We are forgiven in Jesus, redeemed in Jesus. We know the mystery of his will. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, you've got a trillion dollars, but yet you're still thinking like slaves. You've been brought into a treasure house and you still think like you used to. That's why I cannot stop praying that the God of Jesus, the Father of glory, would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and that the eyes of your understanding would be opened. Your spirit man's eyes would get awakened. That there would be a, a prayer of awakening on the inside of you. A spiritual awakening for the church. That your eyes would get awakened, your spirit would get alive, and that you would begin to see who Christ is and who you are in him. He prays that you would begin to come into a knowledge of three realities. Number one, that you would know what is the hope of his calling. You would know where he's going and where you are in him. Number two, you would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Are you with me tonight? I need y'all to pull on the word. This is what he's praying, that you would know that you're Jesus's wedding gift. That you would know who you are to Jesus. Do you have a clue that you're his inheritance? He gets you. The Father and the Holy Spirit are doing what they're doing in your life to prepare you as a yoked bride for a worthy son. Whatever Holy Spirit's doing in you today is to prepare you for your wedding day. If it's the cleansing of the dirty robes or if it's the iron, he's using iron and water, heat and water. That's why he's going to present Ephesians 5, 27, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. You get spots out by the water. You get wrinkles out by the heat and the pressure. So whatever he's doing in your life, he's thinking about what you're going to look like in a billion years. So it's okay for three to five to ten years for him to disrupt your happiness. Because he's not thinking about the next ten years. He's thinking about the next ten million. And if you cooperate... And quit kicking against the goads and complaining and telling him you could do a better job if you were God. He knows what he's doing. You would know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance and that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You would know the God who raises dead people, dead circumstances. You would know resurrection power in your life. He is resurrection. I believe this is the most important prayer. And here's the simple prayer. I want you to start praying. It's God, wake me up. 
It's God, wake me up. Because Paul has a fear. And the fear is this, that the church of Ephesus, the mighty church of Ephesus is going to turn church into a social club. And they're, they're going to fail to realize that they've stepped off, in, stepped off a harbor into a boat. And so many of us are guilty of turning the boat into the purpose. Paul's prayer is, I'm praying that Holy Spirit would cut the ropes of that boat and that you would begin to sail into the Pacific Ocean called the revelation of Jesus Christ. That you would begin to sail into the search and the discovery of who God is. Of what God's like. Of how God feels. God's emotional chemistry. God's nature. Who he is and what he's like. How he feels and who you are to him. God, this is an hour the Holy Spirit is wanting to blow a 12 gauge to our little views of him. There was an old book by a man by the name of A.W. Tozier. He says, why we must think rightly about God. He says, the greatest burden laying on the church is to purify and to elevate our view of God until it's once more worthy of him. Most of us view God like a middle-class working dad with seven billion children. Because middle-class working dads have good hearts but limited resources. They're hard workers, but they're limited. Can we go on a journey tonight? We're going anyway. He's the God of Jesus. Do you know what my favorite verse in the Bible is? The first one. In the beginning, there was God. The Father, the Son. We know in John 1 that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is with the Father, and we know the Spirit's brooding over the deep. So you got the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and in the beginning, there's God. you got to ask yourself a very important question from the first verse of your Bible, and it's this. If God's there in the beginning, when did he begin? And you then have to jump off the pages. you got to jump off the pages and go on the search of the beginning of God's days. Have you ever done that exercise? Have you ever began to jump off the pages and to begin to go on the search? Who brought God into existence? Who is God's dad? Who is his creator? And you begin to go on a search maybe a million years before Genesis 1. Maybe a billion years before Genesis 1. Maybe a trillion years before. Maybe 999 trillion. 999 bill. 999 mil. 999 thousand. None, none, and you're going to keep going and going and going, and you're going to hit a wall. And the wall's called out of numbers. And when you hit that wall, you got to look back to Genesis 1 and say to yourself, I'm actually closer to Genesis 1 right now than I am to the beginning. You are dealing with someone who is uncreated, who has always been. There's never been a time he was not. Let that just mess with you. Let that put you on tilt. I don't even know what to do with that statement. The eternity of God 
is the foundation of how we rightly see him and rightly worship him. He is uncreated light and love and power and goodness and kindness and righteousness. He's the ancient of days. Micah chapter 5. We're not ready for Micah 5. How about Psalm 90? It says that from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. All right, I'll give you Micah 5. He says, oh, Bethlehem, there's a ruler that's going to come out of you whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. <laughs> I love the, the greatest mic drop moment in history was when the, the Pharisees were looking at Jesus and Jesus says, and they were talking about who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? And Jesus made the statement that Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they looked at him, you ain't yet 50 years old. How did you can even talk about Abraham? He goes, before Abraham was, I am. He's always been. He's the everlasting God. He's the eternal God. Why is that important? Because he ain't the best image of Santa Claus. He's not your best picture of the best grandpa giving the best hug. He is uncreated love, everlasting mercy, everlasting righteousness, everlasting justice, everlasting goodness, everlasting wisdom, everlasting dominion. All that he is has always been. We worship him. We don't worship songs. I feel like a lot of us are worshiping songs these days and not worshiping God. Can we think about God? Can we talk about him? That's why we've lost wonder. You don't even know what to do with these thoughts. These are the foundation of everything. This is what blows your mind. And that's the point is getting your mind blown. That's the goal. How quick can you get your mind blown? And we turn into kids. I love John 17. Father, the glory which I had with you before the world was. Glorify me with that glory. You loved me before the foundation of the world. Woo. All right, we can't talk about eternity anymore. You're like, I don't even know what to do with that. All right, let's, let's take a step in. Everybody hold your hand out like this. Now we're going to talk about God's infinitude, his transcendence. Isaiah 40 says he measures the heavens with the span of his hand. It's not poetry. It's not symbolism, allegory. No, 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 do this. He measures all the waters in the palm of his hand. He says the inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Nations are but a drop. He weighs the mountains in scales. Hallelujah. I love Psalm 113. Why, Corey? It says he humbles himself to behold the things that are in the universe. God does limbo to look at the Milky Way. How low can you go? Billions of galaxies. He 
He's chosen a galaxy. He's chosen a solar system. He's chosen a planet. He is amazing. You can't feel the weight of the word made flesh until you feel the weight of the word. <laughs> we can't get our minds blown until the God we're talking about becomes a zygote in a virgin's womb yet. God, I love you. This is what it's about. Anybody ever read the book of Job before? Tough season. It's like, God, what's, it been, what's been going on? Satan been asking for me. All right, so he goes through his hell. Then he has to deal with something worse than the hell, and that's 30 chapters from his friends talking. We call it 30 chapters of Facebook comments. <laughs> Everybody with enough Bible verses to be used out of context and used through their own lens, thinking they have the answer for what's happening in that person's life. Then God shows up in a tornado. And he says, prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you. Were you there when I did Genesis 1? Tell me if you know. Did you tell the proud waves they can come this far and no more? Did you hang the earth on nothing? Do you know about Big Bear, Little Bear, Orion, and all her little cubs? Talking about galaxies and constellations. Okay. You don't want to talk about the cosmos. Do you know the mating season of the deer? Do you hunt prey for the lion cub? Do you send lightning in the middle of the desert just because? Do you know about the smallest amoeba in the bottom of the ocean? Why is God going to ask a suffering man a hundred questions with the same answer? The answer is no. What's the point he's proving? Job, if I've got Genesis 1 on my resume, if I'm upholding constellations by the word of my power, and then at the same time taking care of the most smallest, most minutest details of creation and upholding all of it at the same time by the word of my power, then surely I know how to take you the crowning jewel of my creation and bring you forth into the fullness of your destiny in perfect wisdom and perfect power. Which means shut up. I know what I'm doing. And that's why finally Job's hand gets over his mouth. I heard of you, but now I see you. And I repent and I put my head in the dust. Everybody's talking. In a toxic culture, we're still feeling the residue. Everybody's coming out of the haze of this election cycle, the fog. Oh my God, what in the world just happened? Jesus, you still there? The Father's wanting to realign us. He's wanting to settle all the traffic. He's wanting to recalibrate his church in this hour. 
He wants to deliver us from all the lesser idols we look to. And he wants to recalibrate us to the throne of God, reconnecting us to the Father and to the Son and who he is. He is the God of our Lord Jesus. And to think that that God became a, a seed in a virgin's womb. It says the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. Y'all got that one down. Y'all got that one down. We need to feel the ground underneath us shaking. We need to be scandalized by the thought. God manifested in the flesh. God. It's like taking a big old oak tree and putting it in a pot, a little pot, and the pot doesn't explode. <laughs> and the life you could not live, he lived. And the death that was deserving to you, he took it upon himself and bore the wrath of God for the sins of the world. Without saying a word, he made intercession for the transgressors. He received yours and my punishment, took us into that grave, broke the power of the grave three days later, ascended to the right hand of the Father, sat down at Abba's right hand, has raised us up together with him, and he's now engaged in full-time ministry. Jesus is in full-time ministry right now. He's not on a lazy boy. He's not chilling. He's in intercession. He's an intercession, and you and I are partakers of that heavenly calling. We're all intercessors. It's not just a few women off in a back room. There's an intercessor in heaven, and he's a man. But let's, let's just talk a little bit more. Go with me to Revelation chapter 4. We're going to go to the throne room now. If you're hungry, God will meet you here, here in a little bit. If, you're, if you lean in, God will meet you here in a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. He's called the Father of glory. James called him the Father of lights. Hebrews calls him father of spirits. Jesus calls him father in heaven. We get to call him Abba. He's our father. He's my father. He's your father. He's Abba. And in Revelation chapter 4, the apostle John gets a front row seat to the living room of heaven. What was alluded to and referenced several times through Scripture is given in 4K in Revelation 4. He sees a door standing open in heaven. And I declare over Lithia, I declare it over Abide. I declare it over this region. I come and I came for one phrase. From Dallas, it was to declare over you, there is a door standing open in heaven. There's a door standing open in heaven. And there's a holy invitation being given to the church of this region. Come up here. Come up here and I will show you things. 
Come up out of religion. Come out of bondage. Come out of shame. Come out of your cycles and come into a place of revelation. Come up here. Speak that to your spirit. The door is open. Christ is the door. The door's open. Come up. John hears the voice. And it says, immediately I was in the spirit. He's there. Whether in the body or out, he don't know he's there. First thing he sees is a throne set in heaven. There is a throne that's established in the heavens right now. The throne is established of old. It's unshakable. It's immovable. There'll be no coup to overthrow that throne. That throne is established in the heavens. It's above the White House. It's above Buckingham Palace. It's above every premier's house, every Saudi sheik, every power base in this world. There's a throne set in heaven. And one sits on the throne. One sits on the throne. And he who sat there, I want to declare it to you. There's one on the throne. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. There is one on the throne. And John is doing his best to describe what he's seeing. But the best he can come up with are ancient stones to give the, the, the historical reader a bridge to connect to what he's seeing. But what he's seeing doesn't even compare to anything he's ever seen before. That's why he uses words like like. He who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And an emerald rainbow surrounded the throne. Woo! For the ancient reader, that would have sounded like blinding light and burning fire. Blinding light, burning fire. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God dwells in unapproachable he wraps himself with. He's the father of. God wraps himself with light. He shrouds his glory with light. Light. Because we see in Revelation 5, he has a hand. Because he's holding a scroll, which we were singing about. But light covers him. That's what worship is, is when you stop. And you investigate. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, please release it, honey. You got the breakthrough for us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Next time that wave hits you, let it go. Hallelujah. But God is light, but God isn't just light. God is fire. He's not just some ball of light at a distance. He's passion. He's flame. He's intense. He's not stoic and he's not indifferent. He's engaged. 
Everything in the presence of God is on fire. Everything. <sighs> Hallelujah. Hey! When he made covenant with Abraham, he showed up as a burning oven and a smoking torch. To Moses, he showed up in the burning bush. To Samson's mom, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame. Daniel 7, throne of fire, wills of fire, river of fire. Psalm 103 and 4, he makes his ministers a flame of fire. Ezekiel 1, the man's on fire. Everything. Malachi 3 and 4, the refiner, the purifier in fire. Fire! Jesus, the one who will baptize you with fire. Luke 12, he says, I came to sin. Fire! Road to Emmaus, their hearts were on fire. Day of Pentecost, there were tongues of fire. In Revelation 1, his eyes are like fire. Everything, the presence of God is on fire. Are you? Do you know the spirit of burning? And you're like, man, well, I don't want to be over emotional. I, I get that. But it touches your emotions. It looks like something. Tell me if I'm on fire, walking around, and I'm, I'm on fire. <laughs> You're beating your shirt and trying to get the thing off of you. And <laughs> he's beautiful and he's burning. But, but we all know that if God's fire was let loose on this planet in unblazed glory, nobody could stand. That's why there's an emerald rainbow surrounding his throne. God relates with us through the lens of mercy. He relates with us through the lens of covenantal faithfulness. He is the kind. See, this is, this is the thing about God. He holds it all together in himself. He's the most beautiful, the most passionate, and the most tender person you'll ever meet. See, some of us usually get different deposits of God's heart and nature. Some of us get the tender part. And fire's been your journey. Others of us, like me, get the fire. And my journey's been learning tenderness. But he's got it all. The one who is the most intense is the one who barely holds the hearts of his people who are broken and who are wounded. And he lightly blows and breathes, I love yous, until you get healed and breathe again. Whew. He is the kindest person you will ever meet. He's patient with you. He's not frustrated over when are you going to get this thing together. He delights in showing mercy. Which means he enjoys it. Most of us think he's looking at us. You're not over that yet. 
Can we, I'll forgive you again because that's what Jesus died for, but can we move on? He delights in showing you mercy. Oh, see this, everything is, this is the spirit of revelation. When this begins to touch your life, God, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. You just want to look at this. You want to gaze on him and tell him you love him and you thank him and you want to tell me again, wash me again, heal me again, change me, change me. This is how we get changed. We behold as in a mirror dimly the glory of the Lord and we're transformed into the same image. Transforms us. It changes us. Delivers you from running in shame and running to him in confidence. And the most merciful thing God has done for all of us is he did not give us what we deserved. This is the crazy thing about the Revelation 4 scene. God's on the throne, and then you got 24 thrones. And there's these elders in heaven, and it says they're sitting robed in robes of white, and they have crowns of gold on their heads. I don't know who these are. I don't know if they're the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles. I don't know who they are. They're some real people, but I cannot... Think of a clearer description of what you and I look like in the presence of God than those 24 elders. Right now, who has given your life to Jesus? Have you? This is the crazy stuff. It's about to, you might want to hide the ears of the kids or something. It's about to get crazy. Nobody sits in the presence of God. But you do. You are the ruling class of heaven. You're the aristocracy of heaven. When he says you've been raised and seated together with him in heavenly places, he wasn't playing. Oh, oh. If you're in Christ, I want you to know you're sitting in the presence of Abba and you're his heirs, his co-heirs. You are co-rulers. You have divine DNA pumping through your veins. You have royalty and dominion pumping through your veins. Hey! Hey! He makes his former enemies his co-heirs. And right now in the presence of God, he's robed you in robes of white, which means you're as clean as Jesus is in the presence of Abba. You're as clean as he is. You don't get secondhand righteousness. You don't get thrift store righteousness. You don't get hand-me-downs. He imputes and imparts his righteousness. And you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you believe it? That you're as clean as he is. And you're as close to the throne as Jesus is. Robed, throned, crowned. Robed, throned, and crowned. You are dignified in the presence of God. We'll cast them down, but Jesus will pick them back up and put them back on your head. It's the endless cycle. Because we're about to see some burning creatures. And when burning creatures show up, crowns start falling. How did they get back on their heads? Could it be Jesus? They sing holy. They cast crowns. 
Jesus puts them back on their heads. Burning creatures, do it again. Do it again. Crowns again. It's the way my God is. 24 thrones. And what's going to happen when the church of this region wakes up to who she is in Christ? What's going to happen? Lightnings are going to come back to the church. The thunderings are going to come back to the church. The voices are going to come. It's called the prophetic spirit. It's called the silence being broken. It's called the prophetic roar through our songs and through our messages and through our lives and whispers that release power. It's the thunders of God. Psalm 29, Job 37. God of glory thunders marvelously. There's a sea of glass like crystal, seven lamps of fire, which are the seven spirits of God burning before the throne of God. And now it brings us to the, to the, the moment. And you got four living creatures. You're going to meet these guys one of these days, man. <laughs> Get your seatbelt on. God had a blank slate. Picture, God said, I can do it however I want to do it. This is what I want to do. What's he telling us about how government is released? Four living creatures. Full of eyes. Let me break this down for you. Full of eyes. That's, I can almost get my head around that one. But then he says around and within. Which means these creatures are translucent. You can see their insides. And their insides are made up of eyes. Their whole beings made up of eyes. God had a blank slate. One like a lion, one like an eagle, one like an ox, one has a face of a man. Six wings. And the Bible says they... Do not rest day or night saying, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They have been in the same room. With the same person singing the same word forever. They have never gotten used to him. They've never asked, what are we going to do next? They sing holy the 10 billion time as if they've never sang it at all. It's because they haven't. His greatness is unsearchable. He is. Can I just tell everybody in here? Well, I'm going to let you in on something. You're never going to get used to him. Who loves those moments when you're reading your Bible and something jumps off the page? Think about that multiplied by a billion. One little verse, one little facet leaves you weeping. Weeping. 
And you got a resurrected body, so it, it's enhanced on multiplied billion levels. And fascination of God is pumping through your being. And all you can say is, I've never seen you like this before. But I've read that verse a billion times. what I want to see restored to this two ways. That, that, I believe that right there is the cure for the American church. That. The spirit of revelation touching the church. A thousand other areas will be solved when we get wonder back in our eyes. God never stops breaking in with fresh discoveries. He keeps blowing their minds over and over and over and over. What's the deal with the eyes? Jesus says the eyes are the window to the soul. Paul says, I pray that your eyes of your understanding would be open. These creatures have eyes. And yet we have seen the enemy work overtime to defile the eyes of his people. We, have, we live in a pornified world. We live in a pornified culture. And we've lost our eyes. I believe our lips will get restored when our eyes get opened. See, we want to try to raise up preachers. Isaiah 6, I'm a man of unclean lips because my eyes have seen the Lord. Lips get exposed when eyes get opened. <sighs> he wants to cleanse us of all toleration of Jezebel. He wants to restore he wants to get us away from all the seduction and the toleration of immorality in our lives. And he wants to deliver us from the toxicity of our culture. It'll move through pornography. It'll move through Fox News. It'll move through social media, through Facebook comments. It'll move through every avenue to shut your eyes and to shut your ears so that the spirit of revelation becomes dull in your life. You keep going to church. Hallelujah. I love church. I love the gathering of the saints. But I want to do it with people that are pushing into the same thing. Holiness unto the Lord. Be holy as I am holy. Uh, this is what we call happy holiness. Holiness isn't grit in your teeth wanting to do everything the world's doing. Saying, I really wish I could, but I can't do it. <laughs> Holiness looks like a big smile. Saying, why would I trade my birthright for a bowl of soup? I've got eternity pumping through my veins. Why would I sell it for 30 seconds? Drop Leviticus 9 is what I thought I heard. I go, I don't 
know that one. Top of my head. I said, it's probably something deep with the altar and the burnt offering and holiness. <laughs> oh, glory. Uh, you feel that spirit of burning tenderizes you. It's illumination. I am so jealous. This is all I want to do with my life is build a landing strip for the spirit of revelation. I am a glutton for the spirit of revelation. I want to burn. I just want to burn. And I don't want to live in memories of how I was burning five years ago. I want to burn today. Many of us live, well, I'm on fire. No, brother, you were five years ago. I haven't seen you cry in a while. Anyway, let's stand. <clears throat> Jesus. Oh, this is beautiful. I feel like this is going to be a house of revelation. I feel like God's going to entrust. In, uh, you're going to release that burning creature anointing on this house to go in. Fire. The anointing on the Bible. Hallelujah. We're going to give our eyes to Jesus tonight, okay? Christianity isn't just about trying. It's not about trying harder. I know. It's 2021. I've got to try harder this year. No, you just need to look in his eyes more this year. It's not about trying. It's about looking. Put your hands over your eyes. Let's pray right now over our eyes. Fire. 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 I want you to see Jesus with eyes of fire. <laughs> he has torches in his eyes. I want you to see him. Just Let's just pray a prayer of repentance. Just say, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me for opening my eyes to all forms of perversion, hey, immorality, and the spirit of this age. Jesus, forgive me. Please have mercy. I ask you right now for your blood that was shed at Calvary to wash over me now. From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I want my thoughts to be clean. I want my emotions to be clean. I want my desires to be clean. Wash me now in your blood. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your cleansing. Join with me. Say, in the name of Jesus, I shut every door to darkness. I break all agreement with darkness. And I cut every tie with darkness. And in the name of Jesus, 
I open up new doors. Doors of light. Doors of truth. Doors of revelation. In the name of Jesus. Satan. I command you. Leave my mind. Leave my emotions. Leave my desires. You are not my master. And I'm not your servant. Jesus is my master. And I'm his servant. So I command you to go. 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 Now lift your hands all over this place. Say, Father of glory. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I want to see Jesus like you see Jesus. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Just wash us now, Jesus. Break the power of the witchcraft and the sorcery and the divination. Break the confusion, the fog. Break off the haze, God. In the name of Jesus, I say light. Light to your mind. Light. Light. That's it. Let your spirit rise now to him. Go ahead and lift your voice. Oh. your fire. Come on. I find that praying in the spirit softly, it stokes the flame. It hosts the spirit of revelation. Hey, hey. <laughs> come on, come on. Lift your voice. Lift your hands. Come on. Lift your eyes to the throne. The devil tried to remind you earlier this week. Tell him to shut up. You're going to the throne. Lord's saying, come up here. Come up here. I speak that to your spirit. I say, come up here. Increase your fire. Increase your fire. See, we're not here for spectators. If you lean into this, he'll, he'll come and he'll come with us. He'll come to us. 
I want you to come to us. I want your fire. Isaiah 4 talks about the spirit of burning. There's a spirit of burning. There's a spirit of burning. It's illumination. It's illumination. It's illumination. It says in that day that the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious in that day. Oh, the beautiful branch of the Lord is Jesus. Let's just wait a few more, a few more minutes. Just open up your hands. Put your eyes on him. Oh, we love you, Jesus. God, I pray over the abide leadership. God, I pray over the abide leadership. I thank you for this team. I thank you for what you've began here, God. And I bless the team here, God. Oh, oh. I bless the team here, Jesus. Thank you for them, God. Uh, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you, Lord. I was in northern Indiana, just right outside of Chicago a couple weeks ago. And for the first time, I was got turned to John 4 where I could feel Jesus' thirst for worship. I could feel his thirst. I pray that this little house would quench your thirst, Jesus. That there would be a well here. I pray for a well here, Jesus. 
and that it would draw many people, a bunch of Samaritan people. It would draw women. It would draw drug addicts and prostitutes. And that you would release a worship movement. And that many would, would come to this well and that it would open up doors into cities. I pray that right now, God, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come see a man. God, I pray for worship, evangelism, presence-based evangelism, God. We dig a well here. I thank you for the well that's being dug. I just say, God, pull in the backhoes tonight. Pull the backhoes in tonight, Jesus. Do the excavating, Jesus. Just dig this thing. Retap wells. God, I pray that you would do it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's a well. There's a well. <laughs> there's a well. There's a well. There's a well here and there's a well in you. And I say, spring up, a well. Spring up, a well. Release this season of revival, God, I pray right here. weirder. <sighs> Guys, I, I want you to know we're past those days. Okay, whatever. I'm not I don't care about manifestation. Some people we are. He is coming to the earth and he's building dwelling places. Some people will shake and cry. Others will sit there with just a sense of clarity and peace on them. It's not about what it looks like. It matters is, is your spirit open to God? 
Release cleansing, I pray. Zechariah 13 says a fountain will be opened and it will release a cleansing in that day. He's going to do it in Jerusalem when Jesus returns. But there's, a, there's wells and springs that open up that, that cleanse the unclean spirit. Where God washes away the unclean spirit. He wants to wash away a lot of uncleanness, I, I believe, in this region and in this house. How? Have you ever communed with him and prayed in the spirit from that place of communion and depth? We love you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you who search the deep things of God, take us into the heart of the Father, the heart of the Son. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, 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 holy. Increase your presence, Holy Spirit. 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 We love you, Jesus. We love you so much. We love you, Jesus. Oh, shut up your rabbasoto. Oh, rebesoto your rabbasoto. Elebosoto your rebesoto. Elebosoto your rabbapapa.
We love you, Jesus. God, I just ask you for wave after wave all night long, even as we sleep. Pray for wave after wave of revelation. Dreams, night visions. I pray that we'd be shifted into a new season. I pray that the word of God would go from boredom to fascination. Psalm 119 verse 18. Open my eyes that I would see wondrous things. Restore wonder as we open your word. Counter us, I pray. We love you, Jesus. Let's just give the Lord a hand. Thank him. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what to say. Thank you. Um, I hope you were blessed and received tonight. Yeah, we'll be back tomorrow at uh, 9.30. We'll start. Doors will open at 8.30. Am I making sense? Okay, good. Um, yeah, we'll be, we'll be at 9.30. We'll be here again. And um, Pastor Corey will be releasing again. I pray that, that you were wrecked today and that your life is never the same. There are moments where the Lord comes and there's no other response than to bow. And I believe we're in one of those moments. And, and even if you didn't bow here in this moment, you can go home and you can bow. And you can yield to that. So I just thank you. We love you guys. Thank you for taking any time to be here with us. And we'll see you tomorrow at 930. Yeah. Love you guys. Give somebody a hug and we'll see you guys later.